Thank you for joining us on Jills of All Trades. I'm Cinnamon with YouTube channel Country Crafts. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm Julie with Patch Heaven. Oh my goodness. Too much drama right now. My brain is not working in straight lines. <laughs> Patch Heaven on YouTube. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, if you guys want to check out um, any updates or anything like that or to find where our next podcast is, just anything, all of our social media, we have Instagram, we have the website, and we have YouTube. And they are all at Jills of All Trades podcast. So podcast.com for the website. Um, so did you want to talk about real quick what just happened? Like how many minutes ago was it? <laughs> <laughs> like as we started to go live, uh, we had a, a jumbo coturnix quail hatch out in the greenhouse, and and uh, domestic quail do not brood; they do not set on their eggs to hatch babies out. And this little bugger hatched, and Paige found him out there, and um, with poultry. You have about three days that they will survive without any food. They what happens is just before they hatch, that um, the yolk of the egg will will be encapsulated by their chest, and and their chest will actually close around the yolk in the egg, oh. and that yolk will actually give food and water to that chick for three days, and that's how you're able to get newborn chicks is that they'll ship them across the country. And as long as they get where there to you within the three days, they will have enough food and water in that yoke to survive. Um, and isn't it great and that God? This, sorry, I just wanted to say, isn't it great that God even provides for these birds? Yeah. I mean, there's no way that all that can just happen. And yeah, you know, it, it's it's so fantastically intricate. Mm -hmm. Um. And the, the trick is, is that if you don't know when that baby hatched, you don't know how long it's been since it had food and water. And a lot of times with these more wild types of poultry, it's very, very difficult to get them to survive. Quail are very delicate little animals. It has to be warmer than it is for chicks. And it was dry. We didn't know when exactly it had hatched. So when, it, when, it came, when I brought it in, I immediately, a lot of times with new chicklings, you have to dunk their head in water to force them to drink mm -hmm. and and this little guy wasn't able to walk he was flopping around a lot and, and wasn't able to stand but we we dunked his head a couple times to make sure he got water didn't know if he'd had any food tried to get a little bit of food on the tip of his beak and then dip it in the water and you don't hold it in the water you just get a little drop on on the tip of their beak and um it's just so hard to know when you've done too much and when you haven't done enough. You can err on either side so far with non-domestic birds. Um, so the girls are really upset that the baby didn't make it. He, I, I'm assuming that he got too much water, that he actually aspirated water rather than swallowing it, mm. um, which is really sad. When you have something that's so determined to live and then possibly something that you did is what killed it. Yeah, but it definitely just, not on purpose, you know. Well, it, no, it's not on purpose, but it is, it, it, it is uh, nonetheless, uh, you try to take it as a learning experience of what would I do next time. Um, it, it's de definitely never malicious, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't your fault. <laughs> Just the same. Right, uh, right. Especially your, when you got little... Did, sorry, your girls did do a good job of, uh, of handling it. 
when, you know, she said, oh, it happens. You know, I'm like, that's very mature of her to say. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's (laughs) off crying now, though. This would be a situation where she puts a stiff upper lip and then she goes and cries about it all day. Oh, I would, too. So, anyway. I actually, uh, I think when I was very, very young, I I was with one of my friends and we decided to do something nice for her mom. So I want to say we were like in third or fourth grade. uh, We were pulling weeds in her garden. Like we got out her gloves and we were doing that. And then we found like nine baby bunnies and um, they said that I could keep one. And my mom said, yeah. And so I took it home with me. And I remember I was even, I had the basket beside the couch and I was, I had it on me and I even fell asleep. And all of a sudden I felt it like crawl real quick. And I look over and I see the cat chasing it. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and I was able to get it. But I was holding it one time and I was in front of the microwave waiting for its formula to heat up. And it jumped out of my hands onto the ground and its leg broke or something because it started like twitching and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, oh, I can still remember it. It was horrifying. And they had to, my parents had to kill it because it, it, it was just too, it was damaged and it was in a lot of pain yeah. and everything. Um, so I, I remember what it was like being little and having to deal with, you know, animals that are so cute, which is, you know, I think Paige said that, you know, she's so cute or it was so cute though, you know, so they're tiny. They're about the half the size of a baby chick. Like they're smaller than a banty chick. They're, they're about, about (gasps) an inch, maybe an inch and a half tall. They're tiny, tiny, tiny. Um, Oh, that would definitely be cute. Um, so anything happier to report, (laughs) like anything Um, going on in your neck of the woods garden wise, or you're moving, you're working on getting stuff out. Um, let's see. We have got half of our stuff up for free on Craigslist and Craigslist and half of our stuff up for sale for really low price on Craigslist. So we have mostly sold or thrift shopped everything in the house mm-hmm. um, and now we're trying to um, sell or give away everything that's left outside so that we're leaving everything a lot tidier for the renters mm-hmm. um, as far as the garden goes mostly right now we're watering the fruit trees we're watering the greenhouse um, the girls are going out and harvesting to snack for the most part we're not really doing a lot of harvesting for canning or anything like that I just don't have the time so, so there's plenty of tomatoes out there for them to snack on, and the sunflowers are getting big enough that uh, they should be harvestable uh, within probably another month. Um, and I think that's pretty much. I think that's pretty much it. Um, on my end, I actually uh, about two days ago I decided I wanted to run. Uh, well, Derek's always like, when I get home from work, he's like, why don't you go for a run? Because he knows how much I enjoy it when I get back into it. And I've been complaining about not having enough energy and that kind of stuff. And so um, I had gone on the treadmill maybe two times the last couple months. And I've only been able to go, like, if I can jog the entire time for a mile, I'm good. And I've done a half marathon before, which is 13.2 miles or 13.1. Mm-hmm. So I know I can go- do it, <laughs> you know. And uh, two days ago, we had great weather. Like, it was sunny, but there was a cool breeze and stuff. And so I ran down our road, down to the stop sign and back, which is three miles. And um, I ran the entire first mile. The second mile, I had to walk, you know, in between. And then the third mile, I actually ran the entire time. So I think going outside definitely, you know, 
is the difference. But I actually was really sore from that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday I had some extra time. So around the borders of our house, there's so much weeds. And, you know, whoever set that up in the first place, they had taken garbage bags and, you know, put it down instead of like landscaping paper, which, you know, still works. But they put all these stones on top of there. And I decided like, even though I'm going to plant it and it may not come up within the right time frame or whatever, um, I want herbs alongside my house. Like I am not going to just plant gardens or anything like that. Like I'd like herbs. So then all I had to do is just walk outside my house, not walk out to the garden or anything like that, you know? Um, so I was actually working on that, pulling out all these weeds and then picking up all these stones. And then, uh, our shed is a long ways away and that doesn't have like a cement floor. So I was taking those stones and putting them in the gaps along the wall because animals have like dug out, you know, some of those stones in order to get into our shed. Um, and so I was working, I'm so sore. I can barely move, but to top it off, (laughs) I was not doing anything that would provoke a yellow jacket or anything like that, but I was pulling weeds and stuff. And so I was, you know, down on my knees and I was just pulling stuff. And all of a sudden I felt something on the back of my arm and it stung. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I just kind of jerked a little bit. And I'm like, oh, I, I must have brushed up against like a stickler plant. But then I'm like, oh, ow, ow, you know, and I look yeah. over and there's this yellow jacket that's crawling on me. It had stung me and it was going to sting me again. So I like brushed it off and I broke its wings off. So it was just able to walk and it was crawling towards me. (laughs) I'm like still trying to get at me. I'm like, are you serious? And so um, I don't know if you can see this. Um, This is going to be my swollen arm and this is my regular. But here, hold on. There's if you can see like holding up like there's that. And then this is completely... Swollen. I don't know if you can really see it very good, but if I, I'm thinking I'm going to probably take a picture and show the difference between the two because it hurts because my skin is stretched, <laughs> you know, yeah. from all the swelling. Um, Do you so, have bentonite clay? Have what? Bentonite clay. I don't know what that is. Like in our dirt? What? Um, you can <laughs> use your dirt. Um if you can find a, a patch with some really good clay, you you get the clay wet kind of almost as a slurry, mm-hmm. um, kind of like a wet toothpaste, and put it on there whenever it starts to uh, feel bad, and it'll actually pull the poison out of it. Um, but you can keep bentonite clay, which is um, cleaner than probably what you'd find out in your garden or anything, and you just it's powder form, and it's actually something you can take internally. But the bentonite clay will pull poison out, like from a sting. Oh, that would be nice. Um, I looked up real quick, you know, remedies for stings, and someone said basil. So I went out to my garden, and I crushed up some basil in my hand, and I put it on there. And um, I don't know if it's more one of the, like, placebo effects or whatever, but it felt good for a little bit. <laughs> and then it started hurting again. Like it, it I've heard just plantain. If you, if you have plantain, plantain is supposed to be really, really, really good for stings if you have it on your property. Um, broadleaf plantain. If you, you'd have to look up, you could just look up a picture online. The sooner you get it on, the sooner it starts to neutralize what happened with the sting. Okay. Um, but it's supposed to be like amazing on stings. I prefer bentonite clay because um, it seems like the water in it kind of pulls some of the heat out of the sting. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very hot. Those are the two I've heard. 
Yeah, it's very hot. If you can get, sometimes if you're really desperate and you don't have any clay, you can use um, uh, cornstarch cornstarch with water and it can pull the heat out, but it doesn't do as much as a clay. A, a clay pack will help a lot. Okay. Yeah, I'll take any remedy that I can get because I feel like today um, just cleaning, I was very sore from running and from doing all that work on the side of the house, which I only got like a third of it done. But I'm always constantly preaching, you know, just do a little tiny bit at a time. It'll add up. And so that's what I'm kind of doing. I'm taking like, okay, I'm going to do half an hour every day. And if I have more time, then I'll go ahead and do that, which is what I suggest for like when you're working on a project is to set small goals. So um, I'm going to do a little bit more today, but I feel like I have no energy in my st- and I kind of like didn't feel good. And it yeah. was, I could tell it was from the sting, you know. Yeah. So today was really rough. Um, but other than that, a lot of my tomatoes are starting to come in. Yay. So I think I'm going to can some pasta sauce because Derek actually likes that. Um, but did I ever did I ever tell you about um, – see, I can't remember if uh, I told you or not um, how that one doctor said I was, like, deathly allergic to bees and getting attacked by mm-hmm. fire ants. Did I ever tell you that? Yes, you did, that you had, like, green stuff coming out of your nose. Yeah, like or yeah, out of the bites. Up, yeah, I started puking up yeah. green stuff because I prayed to ask God to get it out and stuff. Well, I gone to yeah. the allergist and he said I was deathly allergic to bees. Like Derek and I were even going to move to the hospital. He hate he had anxiety when I'd go out to run. I had to carry an EpiPen with me and all that <laughs> other stuff. So that was for an entire year. And I love uh-huh. to have the windows down. And I couldn't have the windows down because what if a, ble- a bee flew in and stung me? Right. So this doctor right. had me completely convinced that I was deathly afraid or deathly allergic. He even said that if I get stung, an EpiPen might not even work, which is why yeah. we were going to move near the hospital and stuff. And um, Derek's like, I think you should get a second opinion. So it had been a year. I went to get a second opinion. Just start talking to the doctor. And he's like... Um, are you, did you have a bad reaction? Have you ever been stung before? I'm like, yeah, by a bee when I was little. And he's like, well, what happened? I'm like, it hurt a lot. And he's like, yeah, you're not deathly allergic because you have to have the blood test that tests positive and a reaction. And I had it in the blood test, but I guess like I can't remember the exact statistic, but I think it's like 60 or 70% of Americans have the gene, have it in their blood that they could be death, you know, really allergic to hornets, wasps, bees, all that. But you have to have the reaction in order for it to be like deathly allergic and I didn't have the reaction so he's like no you're not allergic and I'm like oh my gosh so when I got stung I'm like sitting here watching it and I'm like okay I know I'm not waiting to die bigger (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm not allergic but man it hurts and it is huge so but yeah I I I still have a lot of things to do I think today before I go outside, I'm going to try and make pickles. Have you ever made pickles, by the way? Uh-huh. Um, no. Did I ask you this last time? I have to make sure I didn't. I don't think so. Okay, good. Then this is going to be... I have two questions. This is, <laughs> this is going to be my first one. Um, I would gotten the cucumbers in a packet and stuff. And I took a picture on Facebook and a bunch of people commented. And some were like, you know, mine are always soggy. And that kind of stuff. So I'm wondering if there's any kind of a trick to, you know, canning it. You can add alum. If you add alum to it, then it tends to make it crisper. But you are actually, if I remember correctly, and this is my understanding, is you're actually, alum is like 
a derivative or part of like aluminum and they say that aluminum is associated with Alzheimer's disease. And so um, you can make them very, very crisp by adding alum. It's just in your, in the store and it's just alum. If you use grape um, leaves, I don't know if it's the tannin or if they have a natural form of alum in them, but you can use grape leaves to make things crisper. Um, I have used alum and it does prevent things from getting soggy. It makes them very nice and very crisp. Uh, I don't like to make pickles with cucumbers because they have a tendency to be um, soggy. So instead what I do is I do um, pickled green beans, so dilly beans, and they stay crisp. Uh, I think because you don't part, I think part of the reason is you don't slice them. With most pickles you would slice them and I think part of the slicing may, leads to sogginess, but um, right. if you want 100% crisp cucumbers turned into pickles, use alum. And okay. and there's no like big warning on the bottle that says, you know, this is like aluminum, beware of Alzheimer's. It's not that big of a deal, but some people prefer to eliminate everything like that from their diet. So that's just kind of a warning. Right. Do you have any suggestions then? Like if I didn't pickle them what I could do with cucumbers because I harvested mine and I had like 24 really big pickles or cucumbers um you could do uh fridge pickles because in, to my understanding is that it's the cooking process that makes them soggy not necessarily the brine itself so you could make the same brine and then instead of canning them what you do is you put them in your jar with your brine after it's cooled have the brine be cool and um Whereas if you were going to hot pack can them, uh, you would pour the hot brine into the cucumbers in the jar. Instead, let your brine cool, have your pickles in, in the slices you want in the jar, pour the, the cold brine over them, put a lid on, put it in your fridge, let them age for six weeks, the brine will soak in and you'll have crisp fridge pickles. Awesome. Do you know how long they'd be good for after that or...? really long time very very long time as long as you keep them cold because they've got all that salt and vinegar in them they'll stay good like we have some garlic that we did that way and that is how we do our our peppers so like our cayenne peppers and our uh, jalapeno peppers we do fridge peppers and they'll stay good for like two or three years in your fridge wow oh that's awesome and they're delicious and, and, and wonderful. And I the flavor is just incredible on them. You, so you just make up whatever brine you like, and and that's um, that's how we do it. Well, I might just do that because I, I was really, you know, um, I said I was going to make pickles. And when people said that about the soggy, I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I don't want to waste all those if it ends up being soggy and not tasting good. You know what I mean? Well, you could do two batches. What if you did one batch for the fridge and then you did one batch with alum in it? And you could see, or, you know, you could even do three batches, one without alum, one with alum, and one just for the fridge. And as long as they're small batches, you can see which you prefer if you prefer the consistency of one over the other. And, I mean, all they would have to be is very small batches, and you could just compare them to each other. Okay. That's a very good idea. Um, my other question mm -hmm. was with... I don't know if you know much about corn, like popcorn corn, because this is the first okay. time I've I've um I've planted it. <coughs> and so since you use the seeds for popcorn and stuff, do you just leave it on the stalks until it dries out or do you pick yeah. it and or 
what you do is you, when it's ready to be harvested, and um, you can let it dry out a little bit on the stalk, and then you snap the heads off, and you pull the um, pull the the leaves back mm -hmm. so that they're not on not surrounding the corn anymore but you leave the husks on and you uh you like take a a needle and put it through the stalk like what works really well is dental floss because it's really really strong and you double it up and then you take those stalks and, and put them all on it and then you hang it in a garage or something that has really good ventilation and you let it dry out and once it's completely dry, you get a corn husker. Do you know what a corn husker looks like? A corn sheller? Uh, is it? Does it have like a blade, and you can just run it down through it? Like no, that's for fresh it? corn. Okay, then no. That's for fresh corn. <laughs> you don't want a blade. What you want is it. It looks like you know what a canning jar ring looks like. The mm -hmm. ring part. Well, it looks like a tall canning jar ring, and and what it is is it's it's like it looks like a tube but it's made out of metal okay. and it has little ridges on the inside. And what you do is you put it at the top of your cob of corn and you twist the corn and you twist, twist the sheller. And what it does is it, it pops all of the corn out of the husk or out of the cob and it's intact. And you, but you can only use it when it's very, very dry and it'll take the whole kernel out completely intact. Okay. Thank you. Cause I have no idea what I'm doing with this popcorn corn. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's just it's just a little a little metal tube, and you could just look it up online and look up a uh, corn uh, sheller, corn sheller, and it's just this little. It should be very inexpensive. Okay, is there any way to prevent um, like when they show their tassels and stuff um, too soon? Because my corn should have gotten higher, and they weren't that high, and they already started to you know. Like show to, their, to have the little the little yeah. hairs come out, yeah. Um, n not that I know of. Uh, we're not, not we, the we hairs, do grow corn. It's called a tassel, isn't it? Right, like when at the very top, and then that drops the seeds down into the the way that it gets <laughs> pollinated. You mean? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It is that that tassel, and it is the hairs. That is the the tassel comes out, and it's made up of the hairs, and and that is how it, it does get pollinated. I'm thinking of the one that has the seed, like, you know, I'm not talking about like on an individual piece of corn, how it has the hair, not that, but like on the main one at the very, very top, we're talking oh. about the same thing or no. Uh, so you're talking about not a corn, but at the top of the corn that is, um, that is kind of frilly. Yes. And it has like the seeds and stuff up there. The well, uh, that kind of look like grain. A yes. little bit like green? Yes. Okay. And what what's your question about it? Um, usually that doesn't show um, when they're like not that high. You know, usually they're a lot higher and taller. Right. And I felt mm -hmm. like mine showed really early. So I wasn't able. And it's probably your variety. Because popcorn does not look the same as field corn does not look the same as sweet corn. Um, popcorn has a tendency to have a, a much shorter, much smaller uh, cob and thus the plant will not be as tall as a normal sweet corn or okay. the same as a field corn. A field corn will be very tall. Sweet corn can be very tall. Um, fodder corn kind of depends and popcorn is a very small corn. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for answering that. <laughs> yes. Um, 
We're going to go ahead and move on to scripture. So if you would like, Julie, to go ahead and read yours first. Okay, let me pull it up. Um, let's see, I kind of had a hard time picking one. It, you know, with something like that, this, it seems like some of them are a little bit obscure and you kind of have to have to use a little bit of creativity. But um, in Luke 4.16, it says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And in the scriptures, a lot of times the routine that comes in is about the Sabbath day and about seven days and about seven years and about... Um, a lot of it had to do with tradition and the the repetition of the Mosaic Law. And the reason that there was the repetition of the Mosaic Law was that the people would forget very quickly what it is they were supposed to be doing. And without that routine and without that rote and without that counting of things that needed to be done in a specific day, the people would very, very qu quickly forget God. They, you know, for them, it, it had to be a very physical law because their spiritual life was very immature. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think when you're starting out in your spiritual life or you feel like your spiritual life is not where it should be, I think bringing those routines back in and saying, okay, I see my heart and my soul isn't into this as much as it should be. I do believe that a lot of times the routine of obedience can bring about faith. Because as you are obedient, you start to receive the rewards of that obedience and of that routine, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And because I really believe that God is, uh, he's not a respecter of persons. And he does, but I do believe that he does respect our righteous actions and our, and sometimes even the symbolism of what it is that we're doing. And so sometimes if we do something symbolically, before our heart is in the right place, it can actually put our heart in the right place and help us to gain faith. Yeah. Um, something I do like about that verse, uh, I remember one time we had a sermon at our church where he said, you know, when, when it says that Jesus stood to read um, mm -hmm. for the custom of the Jews, you can only stand if you tithed. So Jesus tithed. So... I thought that was kind of cool to know that because I didn't know that, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I don't want to use the word assume, but I assumed that he tithed, but to know that that's what that meant. Like when they were talking about, you know, that was just a little detail that they knew about him was that right. he stood, you know, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, for mine, mine's also in Luke um, and it's Luke 14 verse 28. It says for which of you intending Intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it. So, if you haven't caught on yet, our, well, I guess the title is going to be on there, so never mind. <laughs> um, uh, what we were going to talk about today was routines. Um, and we want to talk about, you know, what's the importance of them, why should we have them, where we can have them, how does it help, etc. Um, so, the reason why I chose that verse is because... It was talking about what you do to prepare to do a task. And so I kind of compare that with, you know, we have all these different tasks throughout our lives. They change from when you're kids to when you're an adult. For instance, uh, a task when you're a kid is going to school. So you have to be able to prepare right for it. When you're an adult, it's going to work. So how do you prepare for it? So 
Um, why, why is it best to have a routine? So let's, let's start there. Um, I would like to say that, um, the order that you do matters and I'll explain on that. Um, a lot of the times, you know, there's certain stuff that we absolutely have to do. If we are going to go to work, we need to pick out our clothes. We need to pick out our shoes. We need to pack our lunch if we need to, or if, if we, you know, pack and don't buy or whatever. Um, the order that you do things matters on how efficient you are with it. Um, like an example, when I'm cleaning a house, if I start with, I, I go around, I clean all the toilets first to get it done and over with. And then I'll start on one end and I'll, I'll, you know, clean, I'll, I'll move this way through and then I'll start on that end again and I'll mop and then I'll move this way through. If I do a different order, I've had it before where I've done the exact same amount of work. I do the exact same tasks and tasks and everything. And I've been faster one, you know, by doing it in a different order. So if you think about it, um, for kids getting ready for school or whatever, um, picking out their outfits and all that kind of stuff, you want to do it the night before. Because if you save a lot of things for the morning time, your time goes by so quickly. Um, have you ever like, uh, right before you go to bed, you know, like time just slows down and you're like, okay, what can I do? And you're like, okay, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. And then in the morning, it's like this big chaotic, you know, uh, I I don't know, Julie, how was it in your household? Like before school or were you guys all homeschooled or no? Um, we were homeschooled, but on and off, we went to private schools and, and we took uh, part in the, dual enrollment and so we still had classes that if we chose to attend them we could. Um, my house was very disorganized um, and it made it very difficult for my mom and so for me I think um, out of self-preservation uh, I had to learn to have some routines because I remember how hard it was for my mom to try and get everything done that she needed to because she didn't have a routine if that makes right. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, and I was kind of thinking about this too. Um, when I was in college, there would be times where I would study for a test. And I, of course, being not efficient at the time, would be like, okay, I'm just going to pull an all-nighter and I'm going to study all night and I'm going to get as much information as possible. Well, when you get to a certain point, Anything else you get, you try to memorize after that, nothing retains. You can't retain it. it. It does not come back to you up to a certain point. So if you kind of take that kind of mentality um, in the morning, you know, you don't have enough time. You aren't right. as awake and you might forget something. So a lot of things I think can be left for, you know, to really prepare and kind of go along with scripture, you know, look at all the things that you need, you know, to prepare for it. So let's kind of go through, you know, starting with when we're young to when we're old, like what's some different routines that we can do. Um, for kids, uh, I would definitely say doing your outfits. Um, you can set out the outfit the night before or, Something my sister is actually doing is on Sunday nights, she will pick out outfits for the entire week for the girls, and then she will put them out. So then that way, um, 
she doesn't have to do that throughout the week. She can get it done on Sundays. Um, and so does she have normal little girls that like to change their clothes five times a day, regardless of what they, because that's the problem in, in most of the families that I know that have little girls is that little girls love to dress up. And right. so they will take off whatever they're wearing when mom's back is turned and put something else on. And then they'll, they'll do it four more times. And, and Kai <laughs> is very much still in that, in that place of, um, not mischief, but, and, and not purposeful maliciousness in any way, but just her attention span is very short. And if she sees something that she thinks is pretty, she wants to put it on right now. And the way that I found to deal with that as far as, um, sometimes with little kids, the, the, uh, it, the routine doesn't happen unless you're standing over them. And then right. later on during the day, anything that you did get done may be undone. And so to me, the best way for me to feel like I can deal with the routine is very, very important. And yet things are with small children are so unpredictable that the way that I function that way is to eliminate their choices to uh, not have the routine. For instance, if we if I didn't have them clean the room before breakfast, they would never clean the room because they wouldn't have an incentive to do so. So if, right. if instead, the routine is, well, as soon as you're done with your cleaning your bedroom, you can come in and have your breakfast. And um, as, and and kind of stack stacking things that way so that it's according to what they want to have done, that something that you want to have done has to happen before something they want to have done can happen. And with young children, that seems to work really well as long as you keep their um, belongings and their routines very very simple they can't be complicated it has to be a one-step routine and they cannot be bombarded with too many belongings so that it's impossible for them to actually fulfill what it is that you've asked of them right and I think that she um she didn't tell me exact details but when she said it I could have sworn she said we pick out their outfit so I don't know if she has the girls do it with her and they pick out outfits you know to put together um, because there is, oh, oh yeah. I remember this one house I cleaned for, um, I actually went to the laundromat and because there were so many clothes and she only had two girls, um, that were living, you know, in the house. The other ones had graduated and moved out. And she said, um, well, we have so many clothes cause they try something on. They don't want it. They throw it on the floor. And yeah. That would never fly at my house, ever. You know, you have to hang it right back up. So I think if they have, you know, if you weren't doing the thing that my sister's doing, like, uh, you know, picking out outfits, you've picked this out, you're going to wear it, there's no other choice. That's just, I'm sorry, that's just what you're going to wear. You know, as long as the clothes fit good and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, we'll, we'll change clothes if they don't fit good or if they don't look, uh, like if they have a stain or something like that. You know what I mean? Um but and does her do her kids go to public school or are they homeschooled? They go to public school. See, and that would also be a difference between uh, one one of the one of the blessings of public schooling is that you have the opportunity to have short term routines. Um, so you're able to clear up the the breakfast dishes once they're finished. The children aren't there to to make them messy again. Um, and so depending on how on the age of your children, mm -hmm. uh, if they're you know, if, if they're home all day or if they're gone, um, your, you know, your income level and kind of also, I, I would think kind of where you live 
you know, every family is really different. Um, in my family, we, we tried that for a long time. And, and again, in, in particular, Kaya, um, we, we homeschool. And so they are home 24-7. There's no such thing as summer break because they're here all the time, every day, in and out. And I'm not always in the same room with them. And, and they love to dress up. And so we can get them dressed in the morning. And they literally will have changed their clothes three times in the afternoon. Um, and whereas if they were in school for eight hours a day, that wouldn't really be an option. By the time they get home, they had they would have homework and other things to do. And so I, I do think you have to pick your, pick your um, personality of your children, the age of your children, and your own capacity to stay on top of them for it. Um, I think for a mom that works outside the home and has very little time, uh, her routines and her expectations of her children will be different than one that is a stay-at-home mom and has her kids in public school. And that would be very different from a stay-at-home mom who homeschools as it would be different from a stay-at-home mom who homeschools and also works from home. Right. Um, you're, you know, kids can have such a, an incredibly different personality from each other. And, and like you were talking about your family where, where they had mountains of clothes and the kids were just allowed to dump them on the floor, your, your economic situation, I think, um, you know, if you don't have a lot of abundance, I don't think that throwing clothes on the floor would be as much of a problem. Um, I think really what it comes down to is, is between the parents and the children, is your routine something that brings harmony to your house? Um, and is it something that allows mom to feel like she's not being burdened by taking care of things the children should be able to, but does it also allow the children enough mobility and um, freedom of expression that they don't feel like everything has to be completely a hundred percent picked up all the time. It's it's such a it's such a tight wire. <laughs> it's such a tight wire. You know, you you walking that line, and each child has a different tight wire uh, as far as what what helps them be healthy and happy, and and what is too restrictive and what is too. Um... So yes, routines are definitely important, but I have a different routine for my children depending on what age they are and also their own I mean my goodness personality is plays such a huge role right I would think that you know if um if it was the type of situation where you picked an outfit for them and then they're going through and trying on all the stuff and or whatever um I would have consequences if they were told, don't change your outfit. This is what you're going to wear, you know, and if it would get into the way. I mean, if you don't mind doing extra laundry for them switching their clothes and stuff like that, but I think it would be a very good opportunity, you know, to tell them, you know, hey, if you change your clothes, you know, this is the consequence so that they know that if they change their clothes, they get in trouble. Or if they only wear those clothes that you picked out in the morning um, and they only wore it for like an hour or two and didn't get any food or anything on it, then they would have to pick to hang it back up themselves or put it back away. Because if they have to do the work, you know, and they know that you're serious too, and that you will make them do it every single time they, you know, get out a different outfit, that will definitely go down. It's not fun anymore to change. You know, I have to do the work. I have to pick up after myself or, or anything like that. And, you know, just thinking it might be a good um, opportunity to tell them like how every 
bit of money, you know, adds up. So if you're using more electricity because you're doing extra laundry, plus it's, you know, spending, it's um, using up more of your time that you can't use with them, you know, kind of make it relatable to, uh, it would actually hurt them to do that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? Well, and, and, and I, I understand where you're coming from. And I, I guess for me, uh, because I am in the trenches with this on Kaya right now, and I, she loves to have pretty clothes. She loves to have pretty clothes. She loves to have pretty clothes. And, um, when, and, and what it really came down to with me is that she, she, she couldn't. It was something where it didn't matter how many times I came in and explained and we put them back up and I explained and we put them back up. Her, her attention span is such that she just doesn't and she can't. It, it, she, she's the child that walks out into traffic because she's skipping. Um, and so you have to hold her hand next to a sidewalk because she's so enjoying life that she just doesn't, she just doesn't remember that as I'm telling her not to step out in traffic, please hold my hand. As she hears me saying it, she's stepping out into traffic. Um, okay. And so um, what we have come down to is that is it acceptable to have clothing on the floor? No, it's not acceptable to have clothing on the floor. And what has ended up happening is that I have downsized. It, it, the consequence for her is she doesn't have as many pretty clothes as she'd like, Yeah. Um, which is sad for my mother heart. I would love to have her have everything she ever wanted, but my mother heart cannot handle also doing laundry all day. And so what we have done is that we have pared things down to an acceptable level of, of clothing so that if I have to come in and remind her during the day to come and, and help me get things hung back up, it's at a level that I don't mind helping her. And, um, and it, I mean, it's not like we didn't teach them at the beginning. This isn't how you treat your clothes. Right. It's just that it's not something that that her little brain as a seven-year-old does very well. And um, and so as far as routine goes, uh, what I what I 100% believe is that it's your comfort level as a mom and your comfort level with your child is such that you, like especially if you have kids with autism mm. or some other kind of mental problem or or thing like that, there, there are limits to what a child can do. And so you do have to trim back your routine to what your child is capable of doing. And again, it comes back to, to your routine and what your priority is. If your child is struggling with a routine that they absolutely need to master, they, they, you know, socially, whatever, they need to master this routine because it helps them function. There are some routines that are so important that the kids just aren't getting that instead what you have to do is look around and say, what can I get rid of in my life so it doesn't stress me out to have to come and help them with this routine because they need my help. They really don't understand. Um, and and let's have this be about the relationship between the parent and the child rather than over the object. And thus, in our situation, we just had to get rid of the object because it was right. uh, not uh something they could handle. Right. And, you know, it kind of uh, makes me think about substitute teaching. Um, when I was first starting my business, I needed some kind of income. So I was substitute teaching and then, I, you know, I'd pick up shifts or whatever, um, just different. I'd go to a bunch of different schools. Um, and when kids are outside of a routine, there is chaos. If I couldn't understand the notes, you know, and try and do the exact same thing. <clears throat> but it's just amazing that, you know, at the beginning of school, when you have 
kids, uh, they start learning the different routines and stuff. And then after they've done it so much, they just automatically do it, you know, and it's faster. It saves time. Um, so I guess I kind of look to routines to, um, like when they're young to teach them that you will have routines when you get older. Um, and routines kind of go hand in hand with good organizing habits. Like a routine would be after, you know, okay, right now we've had dinner then we're going to go ahead and wash dishes. We're going to do this after this. We're going to do this, you know? Um, and if you have good, like, uh, organizing habits, it's definitely going to relieve a lot of stress. Um, just recently I started laying out my outfits, um, the night before, like that's the last thing I do. I brush my teeth. I grab my outfit for the next day and I put it on the couch. Um, and I started doing that because Derek wasn't waking up the same time as me and I'd have to turn on the light to get all my stuff out of the bedroom. And so I did that. But even on days when he does wake up at the same time, like it's nice to have it all right there. It saves time. And it's something I would have had to do anyway. Um, but by doing it in the morning, I'm not, you know, I'm not crabby. I'm not, not saying I'm a crabby person in the morning, but you know what I mean? I have more energy to do it. Um, it's something that's checked off of my list. Um, and I did also want to comment that when you get some stuff that would have been done the next morning, if you get it done the night before, that helps you with your subconscious stress. So subconscious stress is when you're thinking about all the things that you need to do, um, even when you're not technically thinking about it. Um, until it's done, it's on your mind. And women are more prone to have that on their mind, like lists and everything. And guys kind of don't as much. <laughs> so if you right. can get some of that stuff done before you go to bed, um, that's more that's checked off of your list. Um, you know, instead of leaving it for the morning. So, uh, is there, well, any I know that oh, go ahead. <laughs> I know that makes a huge difference for me. I love to drink. Uh, I don't like to drink the water out of our well. There's nothing wrong with it, but I prefer, um, tea. And so if I'll make my tea the night before and leave it out on the counter, like with a lid on it, um, then I can drink water before I eat anything in the morning. I'm a little more hydrated. Um, I feel like it's kind of greeting me in the morning. And um, I, I know that... Uh, I know that when I was a kid, my, my grandmas would talk about how they had different days of the week that they did something in particular and they just spent the whole day doing that rather than breaking their day up into, you know, segmented parts and, and doing a little bit of something every day that they would do the washing on one day. They would do the baking on another day and it meant that they had all their equipment out. It only had to be cleaned up once mm -hmm. and everything was prepared for the next, you know, for the next week. To, to, to do it all again. And it meant that a lot of things just got done um, just one at a time. And um, so I think that you're right. It's definitely, I think, a, a woman thing to try and make things as um, precise and, and uh, time manageable as possible. And I know that when I do things like that, it, it definitely definitely helps and at the same time I know that when I don't do them uh, whether it be illness or, or something else going on it takes some time to bounce back from that mm -hmm. um, I think it's a good way to uh, to remember everything you have to do if you have it in a routine because there's a lot of times like um, my parents started taking 
chia seeds every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a bunch of chia seeds and I don't have the habit of doing it yet. It's not in my routine. You know, I was starting to take vitamin C every single day, but I would always take it at the same time. That's the only way I'd remember to do it. Um, but I was going to ask just real quick on a last pointer. Um, I think, and this is something to try, um, at least for people with public school, um, when kids get out of school, they're still in the school mentality where if they get home before they do anything else, well, I would actually have them do a snack because usually I I remember being starving after school. (laughs) Like, I I don't know. I was just so hungry. And like have them do a snack and then to know that the routine is to automatically get your homework done before anything else, which that teaches them that later in life, if they just do it, not because they feel like it or anything like that, but if they just get done their priorities, their responsibilities, then they get to enjoy the rest of the day and they won't have as much stress to get stuff done. Does that make sense? Well, I don't know how and, you do it th- for homeschooling. Do you guys usually? Well, just- and I was partially public schooled. And so I, I, I totally understand what you mean. And I know that um, like I've taught in uh, first grade and second grade and uh, in the public school system. And then what was the other thing? Um, and then I've, I've taken uh, part as being a, like a Cub Scout leader. And what I have noticed, this is one of the things that I've noticed, is that 100% the routine makes a difference. The best teachers were the ones that picked a method, stuck with it. They didn't deviate from it. They heard about new methods, but they ignored them because they had started with this method. They were going to stick with this method. The kids loved the routine. And what I've noticed with with um, the time that I've spent working in the public school system and also working in the scouting system was that the mothers and fathers pick so many activities for their children that you talking about food is what makes me think of this is that there's no time for an after school snack there's no time to get your homework done after school because they're running to so many different activities after school Mm -hmm. that the moms are just frazzled the kids are hungry and cranky and it means that when they get home there won't really be dinner on the oven because mom was running the kids all day uh, they're they're picking up junky, nasty snack food to try and put in the kids' mouths, mm-hmm. um, you know, to get them to scouts or to get them to whatever activity there is. And so what what having just like too much junk in a house keeps you from being able to stay focused and keep your routine at home, junk outside the house does exactly the same thing. Ooh, You've got all good. these extra activities. <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't have time to get good food. So you're eating junk food along with your junk activities and the junk in your home. Mm-hmm. And so when parents choose to do all of these activities that they think are so important for their kids instead of choosing to have them go home eat a nutritious snack do all their homework and then do any of these fun extracurricular activities it means that what actually happens is that the family life is going down the drain you have an overworked overwhelmed mom you have a dad that you know didn't get dinner because dinner didn't get made and, you, and then you wake up the, mo- the next morning and you're hungry. Your routine is still set off because mom wasn't home during the day at all to, to, you know, routines don't work without a manager. Without a time manager, routines don't happen. And so if you don't have a home manager that makes sure the routines happen, and if you don't have a home manager that guards the precious hours when you do have your children when they are out of school, then 
there is no time manager, there is no routine, it's all everybody just goes to the winds and there is no control. All it is is you're throwing money at activities and at, at junk food and and the, and thus the routine, whatever routine it is that you choose for your family is, 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 is lost. Right. Um, Derek just showed a note for me. I was going to say, if anybody, uh, is watching this live, um, there is a tornado in Northeast Indiana and in Northwest mm -hmm. Ohio. So be alert if you live in those areas. So we have Derek, the weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I just, I would just, I, I just wanted to talk about routines because I was thinking, you know, maybe there's a couple of different ways uh, just to try a different order of things. We all know, you know, stuff that's going to get done, whether you do it the night before or after, but I kind of wanted to relate it to when I'm cleaning. If I do change up the order, it is actually faster to do. So if I do, like if I pack my stuff at night, um, I can think clearly. I know exactly what I need. If it's in the morning, I'm like, okay, uh, where's this? I, I think I need to get this. How much time do I have? Like, I just, you know, and you can actually, if you get a bunch of stuff done the night before, you can sleep in like to the last possible minute instead of sleeping in and hitting the snooze or, you know, waking up and then having a long time to try and get up and then get stuff and maybe possibly be late. So, it, it might be for people who are more, you know, running outside and stuff. But I think also if you have that downtime at night, you know, right before you go to bed, yeah, the day's activities were very, very exhausting. You got done what you needed to. But if you do have any um, spurt of energy or just any um, anything in you that can make you try and get one of those things off the list, then it'll help you be less stressed when you go to bed that night. There's not that many, as many things on your mind you know, on your checklist and stuff to do. So, um, oh my goodness. I didn't even think of a exiting saying. Um, that's a good exiting saying. I, I don't know. I, I think as much as it, as much as it's important to, to be mindful about what's going on your in your life i think that if you can't get a routine set up in your life that i i don't think it i, I think it's natural to have routines and if you can't set a, a routine up in your life you really need to look around and and kind of figure out what your pri i mean i think this kind of goes back to all of our podcasts is that look around your life notice what is distracting you from what you really care about and um analyze the activities the food, is your food making you sick so you don't have energy? Um, what are your priorities in life and are you making sure that you're actually living according to them so that you can implement routines that help you and your children? And nobody can make that analyzation other than you. You're, you're the only person who can do that for yourself. And so make sure that you are not just kind of blocking your stress, but instead examine your stress. And especially, well, I don't... When, when you have kids, you're throwing a monkey wrench into your wheel as far as any routine mm -hmm. that you have because children just, the younger they are, the less routine they have. And um, sometimes those first years after you have a baby, you're not sleeping at night because your baby's not sleeping at night. And if you, it, you know, it's really, really hard to have a routine when you have a brand new baby up through the toddler years. But once you hit toddler years, a routine is so valuable. And... Um, and I so believe that our American lifestyle with all of our junk and our and our mm -hmm. junk activities and stuff 
really prevent us from living the lifestyle that we really want to have. And so until you have a toddler, just be really kind to yourself. You know, if you have a really young child, be patient with yourself, be kind to yourself. And once they hit toddlerhood and you're actually sleeping at night, that's a really good time to attack some of these things and, and, uh, and to, to really be proactive about taking control of your life and, and kind of what you want it to be. Absolutely. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> um, <laughs> You guys can check us out. I have my own YouTube channel with my husband. It's Country Crafts. Uh, Julie has Dirt Patch Heaven, has one H in, in the spelling. And then our stuff, we have josephalltradespodcast.com where you can uh, listen to any of our episodes. And all of that social media is actually on that website. So you can click to it to go to our Instagram, which is josephalltradespodcast. Um, and we also have our Facebook page, which is josephalltradespodcast. So thank you very much for joining us, everyone. Um, and keep trying, keep plugging away at trying to get routines. Uh, they'll get used to it. To have a habit, it takes 28 days, I think, is the general, you know, gist mm -hmm. of it in order to make. So try to make things a habit and make them good, good habits. So, um, and I wouldn't say good luck because I don't believe in luck. We don't have luck. We're either blessed <laughs> by God or we're not. And so... God bless you guys, <laughs> and thank you very much for joining us. Bye. <laughs>